Warn the wicked is the phrase that we hear throughout the first reading, and Jesus tells us how to do that in the gospel. So because it's such a heavy topic, I'd like to start off with just a few jokes. Uh, so here's the first one. You know that there's been tornado um, warnings that have happened in Cleveland. Uh, so they were actually trying to find a place where they could put people. And so they shipped a bunch of people to Pittsburgh, to their football stadium, because they were sure that there would be no touchdown. Yeah. A senior citizen was driving down the freeway. His cell phone rang. Answering, he heard his wife's voice urgently warning him. My dear husband, I just heard on the news that there's a car going the wrong way on Interstate 10. Please be careful. To which the husband said, it's not just one car, it's hundreds of them. <laughs> My grandpa tried to warn everybody that the Titanic was going to sink. When everyone just ignored him, he yelled all the more three times, it's going to sink. Eventually, they got irritated with him and kicked him out of the movie theater. <laughs> so we hear in the first reading, I have appointed you watchmen for the house of Israel. When you hear me say anything, you shall warn the wicked for me. So God is telling us that when I reveal something to you, it's our responsibility to warn, out, to warn other people. And then he says, this is where it gets even more grave. He says, if you do not speak out to dissuade the wicked from his sins, the wicked shall die in his guilt, but I will hold you responsible for his death. Pretty strong words coming from our Lord. So what does this mean for us in the church? Well, we have the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. And one of the spiritual works of mercy, it's kind of a weird phrase that we would say nowadays, but it's admonish the sinner. We're supposed to admonish the sinner. And given our culture of like inclusivity, that doesn't really resonate. But I want to talk about what that means, what it means to admonish the sinner. So first of all, the word admonish, the, the meaning behind the word is actually to be a light, to be a light, to be a guiding light that people can follow, and also to bring light to those in darkness. So I want you to think about this uh, for yourself. There's probably someone in your life or multiple people in your life that may need correction on something. And I don't know about you, but it's very hard for me to do that. I don't like having to correct people. And if you're someone that loves correcting people, then stop doing that. So St. Paul says, I write to you this not to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. So Paul is saying when we admonish someone, it's not to shame them, but it's rather because we love them as our beloved children. And that's not enough because he says at the end, be imitators of me. So we have to be actually walking in, in the life that God calls us to do in order to admonish someone else. We hear in the book of Proverbs, reprove a wise man and he will love you. Re re rebuke a foolish man and he will hate you. So there's times where we're going to receive different responses from different people, whether they are wise or foolish. St. John Chrysostom once said, when you speak with anger, you ruin everything. So when we admonish someone, it's very important not to do so out of anger, but to do so out of love. So if you're angry, 
not the time to admonish them. I like this acronym, it's HALT, and H-A-L-T is hungry, angry, lonely, tired. If you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, that's not a good time to correct somebody. So I find for myself that if I'm hungry or hangry, um, I don't really want to say anything to anybody because I just need to eat and then I'll be okay. If you're angry, you have to let that anger diffuse before you correct someone. If you're lonely, you need to spend time with that person or with God to, to kind of come from a right place. And if you're tired, take a nap before you talk to anybody about serious things. So he goes on to say, this is true, that we should speak to everybody. And the Holy Spirit does not dwell where anger is, and cursed is the wrathful. Nothing wholesome can proceed where anger issued forth. So first of all, if we're going to correct somebody, don't do it when we're angry. Another uh, saint that says that Paul is acting here like a good physician who alleviates the pain caused by the operation to remove the disease so that the sick person will be himself cured. So I just want to say that sometimes it is painful to, to correct somebody. It is difficult. But if we really see that 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 sin in their life is hurting them, then the best thing that we can do is lovingly help them try to remove it. St. John Chrysostom talks about this even more. He says, not to speak against sins would have been impossible since they would have remained uncorrected. To have left the wound untended after having spoken would have been harsh. Therefore, even St. Paul, after he speaks harshly, apologizes for being severe because he wants to heal that person. And when a person is told that these things are being said in love and not reproach, he will be more open to the correction. So if we can do things and, and not shame people, but say it in love. So how do we admonish the sinner? How do we warn the wicked in a culture where everything is acceptable and anything that we say can be labeled as hate speech? Well, before you criticize someone, it was once said, walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you do criticize them, you're a mile away and you have their shoes. <laughs> Mother Angelica once said, if it wasn't for people, we could all be holy. <laughs> There's a priest, Father Dwight Longenecker, that says, truth sounds like hate to those who hate truth. So when we tell someone the truth, it may sound like hate to them, even if we do it lovingly and even if we do it gently. Withholding the truth of Catholicism would be even more uncharitable than withholding a cure for cancer. So we have the cure for spiritual cancer, and that is our Catholic faith. It's the Eucharist that we will receive today when we receive our body and blood, soul and divinity into our heart. Jesus heals us, and he wants to heal other people. So St. Augustine says the greatest kindness one can render to any man is to lead him to the truth. So it's a kind thing and a loving thing to do to lead someone to the truth. So what do we do? And how do we lead someone to the truth, especially very practically? Well, that's where Jesus gives us in the gospel today. He says that if your brother sins against you, go and tell him alone the fault between you. 
think it's so important. So if you need to correct somebody or, or have to correct somebody, the most important thing is first go to that person alone, one-on-one, -on -one, and talk to them. Don't gossip for other people. Um, don't ask other people's opinion. Just go first to that person and tell them what you're experiencing. And if that person then doesn't seem to listen to you, there's another step that we can do. We can go and gather two or three like-minded people to be witnesses and, and sit with that person and help them to see from a, a bunch of other people. In A, this would be called like an intervention. I like this one because if you can't find two or three other people, you're probably wrong about that person. So then after that, it says, what if you take two or three other people, you meet with that person, and they still are living the life that they're living, they're still entrenched in sin? Then it says, if he re refuses, go to the church. So bring that person to the priest and, and see if the priest can help heal them, either through the sacrament of confession or through counsel. If you've done all of that, and only after we've done all of that, should you let that person go? Go. Jesus says, treat him as you would a, tax, a Gentile or a tax collector. Meaning, you've tried your best, and you just kind of have to let them go. Now, I want to tie this into Grandparents' Day. So I know for grandparents and for parents how uh, it pained a lot of you are when your children are away from the faith or away from the church. And what I would encourage you to is don't ever give up on them. Don't ever give up. It's your responsibility to continue to raise them in the faith and to continue to reach out for them and, and to bring them back. There's a, a priest, finally, that I want to end with. His feast day was actually Saturday, and it's St. Peter Claver. St. Peter Claver was uh, a Jesuit priest, and he lived on an island in the, in the uh, Caribbean, and there were slave trades, ships coming in every day, bringing thousands of slaves. And St. Peter Claver noticed that as they were coming um, to this island of Cartagena, he noticed that they were, they were sick, they were ill, they were half naked or naked, and they, the, the ship would just drop them off and they would be in this trench of just mud. And so he began going out to them and it started just rescuing one by one. He would just save one after the other. He saved so many people that he had, in the end, baptized 300,000 people in his lifetime. But what's cool and what I like about this, just to tie it in with the readings, is next to his bed, he carved a, a, a hole, a window in the stone so that he could see out to the slave ships as they came in. And so he would fall asleep every night, and if he heard anything, he would wake up and open his eyes, and he would see what was happening. And then he would get up and go down there. So I think it's important for all of us to kind of have that men mentality, to keep our eyes always open to help somebody, to admonish the sinner, which means to bring light to them, to help them out of darkness and into God's marvelous light. One other thing is RCAA is coming soon, so the rite of Christian initiation. So if you have uh, never been initiated into the faith and you would like to, you'd like to receive communion and uh, be a part of this church, uh, let myself know or somebody in the office know, and we would love to walk with you in this wonderful journey. Then finally, we know that up, our upcoming in November, one of the gravest things that we happen have happening in our country 
is that we um, have this choice, this ability to help save some lives. So since Roe v. Wade passed um, year, many decades ago, 64 million lives have been lost. And they're our responsibility. So let us be like the watchmen. Let us be like those people like St. Peter Claver who are looking for a way to help people, who are looking for a way to bring people deeper into our faith. And so we must all together admonish the sinner so that we can bring people to, to the healer, which is Jesus Christ. <clears throat>